mini episode 1459 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello everyone, welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1459. You have two FDH Lounge dignitaries here, two originals, Rick Morris and Chris Galloway, and we're going to be going through the on-field aspect of the Browns' acquisition of Deshaun Watson, which is one of the biggest trades in the NFL in recent years. We're going to be getting into that. Uh, Before we get into the on-field, which is going to be the prism that this discussion is going to be through, I I just have to, uh, for lack of a better term, sort of update my terms and conditions here with the audience, because we've always preached with this show uh, disclose, let people know where you're coming from, and they can factor that in. And any time uh, that we've talked Browns on the show, and Chris and I have had a lot of discussions, and Jason Jones and others who are Browns fans, we've always disclosed that. We've let you kind of, you know, factor that in to what you think of what we're saying. And I'm very proud that I think everybody has been very objective in saying what they think is happening, not just what they want to happen. Or, or anything like that, but uh, this is the first segment I've ever done where that's not an issue for me uh, because of the way that this all went down this past week, and I am updating my terms and conditions. Uh, there, there's a term in pro wrestling that when a title is held up, it's become fashionable in recent years to pronounce it in abeyance, so I guess that's sort of where I am right now, uh, ha- having uh, you know gone through and the, the, the whole mental kind of a thing here of uh, what I think of the decision here by the Browns to bring in Deshaun Watson. And uh, it's just a thing where I'm a big believer in life that uh, outside of the areas where I have to do things that may not be fun, like professionally and some things that uh, we have to do in certain relationships in our life, I don't like to do anything that I don't get any joy out of. And I'm not going to get any joy out of uh, just kind of going along with the program on this from my perspective here because – you know, there's been a lot of questions in the last week and people saying, well, where do you draw the line? Uh, I guess I draw the line at something that I would consider to be almost sort of cartoonish. Like, it sounds like something that you would make up, right? Like, what if your team could acquire one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he had like 22 sexual assault allegations against him? You'd be like, come on, man, put the bong down. I, I can't imagine a circumstance like that, but I mean, that actually happened. That played out, and uh, my favorite team acquired that player. And, uh, again, I I look at the odds here. I always say in the show I'm a student of the odds. And I've learned an awful lot about this subject in the last couple of years from some friends who have been through this. And uh, just looking at things through the eyes of uh, folks who have been survivors of this. And, by the way, uh, there's males that are survivors of this as well as females. So, this is not even necessarily, uh, you know, one gender in particular. It's one gender that was victimized in this case, allegedly, but really. But, uh, you know, in, in, in life on a macro scale, it's men, women, children, whatever, that have this happen to them, uh, even if it's predominantly women, I guess. But uh, 
that the reportage is somewhere in the single digits, I guess, on false instances. And this has been, I guess, pretty well documented. This is something I really didn't know until the last two years or so. And uh, again, if you round it up to 10% here, if you say there's a 10% chance of Watson being in, uh, innocent in any of the 22 cases, 22 cases times, you know, 90% uh, presumption of guilt, essentially. Those are not good odds. I mean, this is where they say where there's smoke, there's fire. We may not see the flames, but there's a forest fire worth of smoke, in my estimation. And uh, just in, in looking at this, this is something that I would not get any joy out of uh, as far as rooting for this team with him in there, not least of which, again, a lot of people, myself included, I sort of backed myself into a corner with my mouth the last couple of years, uh, all the you know ragging on Steeler fans for tolerating, as I called him, Ben Raplesberger. And uh, what kind of fans would tolerate that kind of stuff, whatever? Whoops! Yeah, I guess I didn't uh, have the old crystal ball out to know that uh, I, I would be faced with not not the same choice, but actually a worse choice. Because as much as I loathe Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, this was a handful of instances that were reported as opposed to, again, 22. So, you know, my, my best friend, uh, he withdrew his... He's, he's a Squealer fan, but he withdrew his support of the team at that time, and... Uh, how can I do any less uh, from my perspective? So uh, basically, I have uh, just decided to put my attention towards my 1A team, the Miami Dolphins. And uh, again, I'm not I'm not going to be hate-watching them. I'm actually going to be kind of withdrawing uh, from paying attention to them as, as, as much as I have and really kind of trying to get away from uh, some of the uh, nitty-gritty kind of discussion since they're not my team for, again, the foreseeable uh, number of years. I'm just trying to withdraw from it and, and not have it even be negativity. Uh, there have been times uh, where, under a bad coach, a bad system, and we've had many of them here, where I might root for him to lose the rest of the games during the year so we could start over the next year, but this isn't that. There's no starting over the next year. This is as locked into a scenario as any team has been for many, many, many years in the NFL. So it's just something good, bad, or indifferent. We all have to reconcile ourselves to this is the way it's going to be. And uh, I'm at the point in my life where I try to steer around uh, things that are just going to kind of piss me off. So I'm not going to spend any time hate-watching it or picking any fights with any of my friends or anything like that. Uh, I'm just going to kind of go off my way, do my own thing. It's interesting that uh, to, from everybody I've heard from thus far, all of the non-Cleveland area FDH lounge dignitaries have been uh, supportive of this point of view, and it is a minority point of view among the Cleveland area dignitaries. I'm not completely on an island, but uh, I, I'm in the minority, and uh, I, I would expect nothing less, essentially. I think that's just the way human nature goes uh, when, uh, you know, the big shiny toy kind of gets uh, dropped in here. Uh, a lot of, I mean, look, it's, uh, you know, I, you, you think I, you think I, I don't wish I could be rooting for the Browns right now uh, when they could be uh, on the verge of a Super Bowl in the next couple of years? And basically, by the way, I think we'll win one now in the next couple of years because it would be the most Cleveland Browns thing ever to win a Super Bowl at a point in time when there are a lot of people that just can't get behind it. And uh, you know, nothing could probably epitomize this franchise more uh, than to have something like that happen. So I fully expect it to happen in the next couple of years, not this year to be sure, and we'll be talking about that as we get into the on-field, but as I reach out to make the tag to uh, Chris Galloway, uh, I know he has some introductory remarks uh, on this himself on uh, what he sees as far as the off-field before we talk on-field. Well, I want to start by verbally, just like on Twitter, um, 
go ahead and uh, denoting this for at freezing cold takes. Um, so this can be pulled out later to be rubbed uh, mercilessly in your face. Okay. Um, here, here's going to be here's going to be my here's my take on all of this. Browns fans that are whining and complaining um, will slowly start come crawling back to the team that they have always loved, and that's because winning, as you know, it cures cures much. Um, I would suggest that uh, Steelers fans with Ben Roethlisberger's situation um, was uh, far more. Uh, uh, it was a great example. Is actually the perfect example. Um, and you can say that this is a worse situation. And again, I this is where you get into the degrees of sexual assault and and, and, and or sexual, I should say, impropriety or inappropriateness. Ben Roethlisberger was directly accused of flat-out grotesque rapes. Um, and again, Watson has been accused of inappropriate behavior, i.e., you know, um, on a on a table for a masseuse. And I'm not in any way. If those things are shown to be likely to be true, I'm not making any excuses for it. Um, certainly not as a girl dad. Uh, I'm not, and, and clearly there's things in his behavior in terms of how he engaged these masseuses that certainly are a red flag. Um, but I would say I, I would say several things to this. One, the grand jury was provided, in essence, 22 opportunities for some data point to be able to provide to them the ability to press criminal charges or to allow an indictment to go through. And and if you know anything about grand juries, they are, it's an extremely low level threshold in terms of what you need to show in order to get an indictment or to have charges pressed. It is not a high threshold. The fact that there were 22 bites at that apple that produced nothing out of the grand jury is interesting to me. And I don't think it can be just completely dismissed um, as being nothing. Now, all of that being said, if he's shown to have been engaged in this activity, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely disgusting. Clearly something occurred in terms of his behavior that, that you and I agree is, is beyond inappropriate. The other thing I'm going to say is this, the national media is really enjoying eviscerating the Browns right now, but we learned today that there were somewhere between 13 and 15 teams interested in Watson. Now I know you would say, well, that just shows that the league's morals are universally bankrupt. Yes. Um, and that may be the case, um, and probably is the case. Um, certainly, the league has shown through the years to be highly, uh, uh, you know, morally bankrupt in, in many areas. But it is interesting, much like the grand jury non-indictments, that there were that many teams that were interested in impugning themselves or um, what have you. So while the press is enjoying eviscerating the Browns right now. Um, for their moral, you know, lack of a moral compass, as they see it. <clears throat> there were apparently 12 to 14 other teams that were hoping to be in that spot. So, and, and again, if these things are true, it doesn't obviously exonerate anybody um, in any way in terms of choosing to make the signing. But again, it's another data point that I find interesting that so much of the league was was interested in him with this hanging over his head. What is the NFL going to do? Nobody knows. 
I suspect these teams have an understanding of what that means, what will be coming. My guess is some of these cases are settled, or maybe not. Watson has said he's not going to sell them. Now, maybe with all the money that he now has, somebody says to him, look, it's not worth it. Um, but to this point, he's been willing to fight the whole way. And I do think it's interesting to read the Jason Lloyd and Albert Breer articles that came out today to understand the process that the Browns went through in making this decision to pursue him and then ultimately to sign him and, and some of the background homework that they did. Um, my guess is they're not the only team that did that. You had five teams that Watson immediately whittled it down to out of that 13 to 15 that were apparently interested in. And I'm sure those other teams did a similar amount of due diligence. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, he's probably going to get a, you know, four to six game suspension is my guess. Um, um, and, and, and that explains probably the backup quarterback signing a percent. I, I don't want to get too much into the morality argument um, that you sort of started off on. In, in the sense of this, I, I mean, I, I go into every NFL season knowing that there are bastards playing for every team. You know, there are really good guys out there. You know, there are the, the you know, there are the Nick Chubbs and the Mitch Trubisky's and those kinds of guys and Miles Garrett. And then there are also a bunch of real bastards and scumbags on every roster. Um, and this isn't new. Um, and that's, again, I feel like I'm justifying it. But I'm putting it within the context of what we know in terms of the league and its history um, and, and also what fans will tolerate. Um, that said, ultimately, this was an on-the-field decision, I believe, by the Browns um, and one that I am grateful that we have a front office and an ownership group that was willing to do the heavy lifting to, to make this signing. Um, I believe it makes the Browns a Super Bowl contender, if you don't believe me. Uh, look at the fact that once it was done, the Browns went from 40 to one odds to nine to one, uh, in Vegas. Watson is a top five quarterback. And, and especially at a time when the AFC has now become an absolute murderer's row of an arms race, Browns fans would have been frustrated and angry to waste this roster for the next five years with incompetent quarterback play. So I understand the moral dilemma. And, and I don't discount what you and others are saying or feeling. Fully get it. Fully support your right to walk away or to turn away from the team. But, I, you know, I, I would only caution this. I still think there's, there's just more to let this process play out before you make a final, final decision on where you are on, at, on this morality play. And I think that once the civil matters are done and the league's investigation will look at it, then I think I would I would much prefer to have that conversation with you on all of that. Because, again, the grand jury's unwillingness to take an act is an interesting data point to me. So all that said, I'm excited to talk to you about what does this mean in terms of football in the NFL. And, and there were a couple of different things you said there that provide segues into discussing the on-field uh, part of it. Uh, I want to go to, this has been sort of a uh, re recurring motif joke, more off-air than on-air over a period of time. Myself and FDH Lounge Dignitary John Adams and a couple of others uh, uh, here on how we've gotten to where we can profile one another here and what's in our profile and everything like that. So... 
For anyone that's expecting me to be at the victory parade when the Browns win the Super Bowl, and you can vouch for this, Chris, is that right there, I don't know if it's in the first paragraph of my profile, but it, it, at, at worst, the second paragraph is stubbornness. Anybody that thinks I'm climbing down from this and going to show up at the, at the uh, Super Bowl parade and uh, let anybody uh, have the satisfaction of seeing me backpedal, not going to happen. Call it, you know, you know, whatever you want to call it, even if you'd want to call it cutting off your nose to spite your face. But I think you can vouch for that for as far back as we go. I am nothing if not stubborn. I can absolutely vouch for that, which is why I only ask that you leave a slight ajar of the door as it relates to this thing's playing out and what is finally, what the final outcome is and what other data points we gather on what took place or didn't take place. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Now here's... I, I, I'm saying, you know, we don't, I don't feel like we know everything. Um, and I don't feel like, you know, we have full clarity on this. I think we have accusations and they are serious and awful and ugly. Absolutely. But I think it's interesting that we had 15 teams that looked at it and said, yep, I don't think there's as much there as people think there's there. Well, they thought they could live with it in terms of a PR hit. That's not the same thing as not believing it to be true. That's where I the Browns... I, but I, I think there are some teams that probably, that's the, that was their, that was the, how they look at things. Um, but I also think that there are a lot of teams, and I'm going to put our front office in that, that, you know, I, I don't believe that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are um, morally questionable people. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm saying they're, they are, in some ways, yes, it's rolling the dice, but they are also, after looking at a situation, have decided that they were comfortable in moving forward. Um, so, I, you know, again, uh, and certainly the Haslam's willingness to put 250, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars of hard, cold, hard, cold cash on the barrel head, um, that cannot be taken lightly. Um, we're also in a comfort level. So, again, I'm just saying, I just, I, I keep wondering, uh, and I'm sort of wondering aloud right now in this show, is, is what is, what else has come forward in terms of data points? Well, Before we fully, 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 and I, and I see to you as a Browns fan, and this is a stubborn man, to say, leave that door slightly ajar so that if there is at some point a reason to walk it back to some degree, you can come on this show and say, well, here's the data points I didn't have, and and I can walk this back. All right, uh, that's and, all. And that's I'm going to tell you what I think about that, and I'm going to go back to what I said before about the law of averages. And I, I'll agree with you. There's not a 0% chance that I'll do that, but it's probably less than 1% because I think it would require such a mass discrediting of all of these cases as to be statistically untenable. That's what I basically believe at this point. The whole thing of if there's smoke, there's fire, that, uh, again, that there is this much that has gone uh, awry in terms of the accusations. And by the way, and again, and I, the, the statistics that I quoted before, that's not to say that it's not a tragedy that every time a, a, a man is falsely accused. And anybody that makes false accusations on something as life-destroying as that ought to burn for it. No question about it. But again, statistically, there's a lot more guys walking around who've gotten away with sexual assault than there are guys who were unjustly convicted. And I don't think it's even close in the percentages of this because it's so hard to prove. This kind of thing is hard to prove. 
because there's not, uh, you know, I mean, what I'm about to say is not very PG here, but the very na nature of it may not be much in the way of, shall we say, secretions, if you're getting a forcible reach around or that kind of crap. So this is the type of thing that is very hard to prove in terms of physical evidence. Uh, and, and that's where I look at it and I say, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, there, there weren't any indictments on this, at, at least yet, uh, with these cases, uh, it's a thing where I guess I'd be surprised if it were otherwise, because this is not, uh, you know, the type of uh, sexual assaults that uh, leads to a lot of physical evidence and everything like that. So, uh, No, and I recognize that, and I think you'll probably know that I was very careful. I, I'm in no way accusing any of these women of lying. Uh, you know, it's possible that some of them are. And, and but some of them may not be. Yeah. Um. I, I just feel like I don't I don't know, and I know that's sort of like well that's a cop out, Chris. Well, it's again, it's the it's the whether it's the judicial system, the civil system, obviously has a much lower bar of finding uh, guilt and innocence of the wrong words. But um, you know that level of finding by a jury, I, I think I'm much I, I'm more comfortable before I bury somebody really anybody um you know until we till we until we know more Th that's all i'm saying i just i'm i'm in the you know and i'm with you if it if it comes out and there's evidence and there's an about face then boy they have made one hell of a miscalculation and deshaun watson should be out of the league i mean i would say that unequivocally well let me ask you here in terms of uh, the situation here the Browns and the rest of the league, before we get to the pure on-the-field kind of a stuff here, where we're getting to the whole thing of running a franchise and the ramifications of that. Now, I'm sure Houston is happy with the deal because uh, it, it takes two to tango here. They were able to make a deal. The other 30 teams in the league, not so much, with the wealth of guaranteed money there, what that does for future labor things in this league, precedents that it sets for other quarterbacks, whatever. So, doing business with other teams, as well as the league front office, which is not happy with the way that the Browns skirted the whole thing here on potential punishment for this year with the six games, with the very low base salary, most of it built into the bonus that cannot be uh, taken from the league uh, if he is suspended. So ramifications like that, I'm looking at this like, if I'm Roger Goodell, and particularly the way that this thing's playing out, it played out a year already, I could see the league because uh, I'm a very cynical individual, saying, you know what, let's just kind of keep investigating here and whatever, and if there's a suspension to play out, maybe it'll be in the 2023 season where his league, where his contract isn't protected in that kind of a way. So what do you see in terms of potential ramifications like that, whether it be deals with other teams that are going to be really pissed at the way the Browns have reset really the, the entire labor situation here with contracts and expectations and guaranteed money going forward, or a league front office that's not happy about the way that uh, the Browns skirted the whole thing here on the contract. And we all know Roger Goodell loves to get the last word all the time. I'm very consistent in saying that. So what say you about some of these ramifications with other teams and the league? Yeah, I think, first of all, I mean, if you're the Browns and your team Watson, that was a very <clears throat> clever way to go about it. Um, they didn't invent it. The Patriots did this with Tom Brady's contract with Deflategate, so when he missed games, he lost almost no money because of the way they did his contract. They did the same thing. This is where this is where the Browns and Team Watson learned to do that. <clears throat> and and you you had what you had. My understanding too is the doesn't the commissioner, regardless of games missed, you know, being suspended for games, doesn't the commissioner a la 
you know, doesn't the commissioner have other powers uh, to be able to just levy, levy a fine? Uh, yeah, that's true. On, on top of it? Right. So, I mean, he could just say, well, that's fine. We're going to suspend him six games, and that's uh, $300,000, but I'm tagging on a $10 million fine. <laughs> I mean, he could do it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and maybe that's what will happen. Um, you know, or maybe, and again, there's, again, you're cynical. I'm cynical. I, I, part of me wonders if these teams that were pursuing him so hard didn't already have a feel and understanding from the league office of what they were looking at in terms of potential suspension. Yeah. Um, you know, these, these organizations talk and the idea that somehow the, the Browns are just, and these other teams are just, you know, boy, just, you know, finger in the wind, wondering what's going to happen. No idea. Well, I don't know that I'd buy that. My guess is there's some understanding of it doesn't involve criminal charges. You know, there's a different threshold. Um, depending on what happens with the civil matters, you know, we have track records that have already been in place in terms of players and civil matter suits and what that equates to. Um, so my guess is they've got a pretty good idea on what we're what what, what the team is looking at. When you talk about what they did on this contract, I mean, first of all, my first thought was, Rick, man, you want to talk about sticking it to your rivals in the Baltimore Ravens. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You're telling me Lamar Jackson has not now just gone, Mr. No Agent, has now said, I want 250 guaranteed? Right. <laughs> and, they're, and they're already, you know, in cap struggles. So... I just got to think that, like, I mean, we just kind of stuck it to the Ravens, right? Because they're, he's the first guy that's going to go, well, hello, guaranteed money. Um, but honestly, and they could be frustrated by it, but let's be honest. You know, Rodgers hit 150, Mahomes is 141. This is where the league is going for quarterback, for great quarterback play contracts. Oh, you want me? It's all going to be guaranteed. Like we are already well on the way there. Now we, the Browns certainly took it to another level, um, but you know the league was already racing there with the last two contracts that we saw. Well, um, so they may not like it, but they, they they're there. I mean, they're there. I mean, what are the Chargers going to do with Herbert? Right when that time when that moment comes. Yeah, Bengals and Burrow. Uh, Bengals and Burrow. You know, this is where we were going. Uh, the Browns just got there a little bit quicker. All right, another question so, for you here is, uh, and this was something that was posed to me, and the, the irony in all of this is, again, on air, off air, whatever. I agitated furiously in 2017, knowing what we knew of Deshaun Watson at the time and none of this personal stuff. Agitated furiously and endlessly uh, for the Browns to uh, take him in the draft. And, of course, uh, the fact that they passed on him there and then had to give up a King's Ransom five years later. Keep in mind, you know, even without the allegations and everything like that, that's still the most Browns thing ever, to give up a, you know, your left nut for somebody that you could have had with a regular draft pick five years ago. But anyways, we are where we are now. And the question was posed to me last week by FBH Lounge Dignitary Bob Glassman of, uh, if it wasn't for the personal, uh, you know, allegations and everything like that, and the things that have turned you off to this, how would you be looking at this? Would you be happy as a Browns fan right now? And my answer to him was, uh, if it was just that alone, 
uh, I would be happy, not delirious, and here's what I mean by that, that it is because, again, we always talk about the macro-level landscape of these things. It's at one position, and then it's uh, the, the ramifications across the roster. I mean, this is a ginormous upgrade at quarterback, no question about it. All the Baker bros out there are like, how do we know he's even better? Shut up with that crap, okay? Deshaun Watson is way better than uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, and uh, that is really not even close, to be honest with you here. That said, three number one picks. First time that's happened since the Herschel Walker trade. You as a Cowboy fan know this, Chris. We don't think of this as the Cowboy trade, or the, I'm sorry, the Herschel Walker trade in terms of Minnesota getting one of the best running backs of his era. We think of it of the Cowboys getting enough of a King's Ransom to help build a Super Bowl team, one that would win three Super Bowls a couple years later. So when it's, you know, the, the fact that it's the Herschel Walker trade that is being invoked here uh, the, the Vikings were not the winners of that trade. So just looking at the law of averages, this is not going to be a thing depth-wise that's going to help, particularly when the cap things are starting to kick in the next couple of years, choices to be made on who's going to be here, not going to be here. So uh, if it was just a thing, if we threw all of the personal stuff out of this, how would I be looking at this were I still an active fan of the team? As I say, it would be happy to pretty darn happy but not delirious because of all the other implications involved. As, as somebody still a fan, what say you? Well, I disagree with that. I um, and here's why. First of all, the whole it's not, it hasn't happened since Herschel Walker. What are you talking about? It happened last year. The 49ers gave up three number ones to get Trey Lance. It wasn't three number uh, ones, was it? Yeah. Well, it wasn't all of their number ones, anyways. They gave up one oh. of the ones I think for Miami. So. Well, whatever. They gave up three ones. To get a guy who may or may not ever pan out for shit. Okay, but it wasn't um, it wasn't all their number ones. Is the thing Herschel Walker was the last time it was all your own number ones. This well, is Ted okay, Steffi and us. They, 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 they gave away players then to burn a number one. What's the difference? They gave up three first round picks. Okay. To, to be able to for the opportunity to draft a kid who played two games in two seasons at one double A. Yeah. Um. So. So it shows you how important in this league now, today, since the Herschel Walker trade, how much more important quarterback is, period. If yeah. you don't have one, you don't have shit. And to your point about um, the, the Baker bros, look, we all wanted Baker to succeed. All of us. You know, he was not our choice in that draft. I think we, you and I had him probably ranked third or so. Yeah. But we both said that, well, you know, if he was six foot three or three inches taller, you know, he would be the consensus number one. And I still believe that's that would have been the case. But, you know, the, we all wanted him to succeed. And he gave us a lot of great moments. You know, that Thursday night game, the op you know, the win over the Jets, the opening of the fridges after the losing streak. Um the playoffs, uh, the win over the Steelers on the road, we have to be very thankful to him for all of that. He did help change the culture in Cleveland. He helped turn things around in terms of the fortunes of the franchise. But it became very apparent last season that he was not good enough to get it done for this, for this team. That we had to build, we were attempting to build a super roster around him to try to carry him. Yeah, And I know that hurts Baker fans. And after 2020, I wanted to believe that that last seven games of the season and the playoffs 
where he finished in the top 10 and all these statistics. And I thought, boy, he's finally turned the corner. And we were all excited. We were all on board. And then last year occurred. And I know we talk about the injury. Oh, it was the injury. He only wasn't any good because of the injury. Nonsense. I watched those games week in and week out. You know how many times I would text you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I saw lousy footwork. Yep. Lousy footwork again. That's not the shoulder injury. Um, and I questioned and I asked you, what has happened to the quarterback coaching? What is going on? Yeah. How is it that that was a focus in 20, but then we get into 21, he has reverted back to the sloppiness of, of 19 and, and how awful his footwork was um, with Freddie Kitchens and how bad inaccurate he had become. Um, so I saw that. Then last year I watched him just make bad reads again. Not that's not your shoulder. That's that thing above your shoulder. Yeah, between your ears. And he was not. So it was telling me that this is a guy that either wasn't being coached properly, or and or was not putting in the prep work, or something. There was some disconnect because he regressed badly. So on the one hand, I'm like, I feel like we should never forget what Baker did for the franchise. Um, because he, he, he brought us legitimacy. He got us a playoff win in Pittsburgh. You know, we ended the streak on that magical Thursday night. I was at that game. It was amazing to be there. And I liked the kid personally. But it became so painfully clear to me last year that, that, that he wasn't going to be the answer for this t- franchise to take the next step. And that's what it's all about. If you're going to compete in a hyper-competitive AFC, just having, you know, the 20th or 22nd best or last year even 28th best quarterback in the league, that isn't going to get it done. And, and so when you when you talk about the price that you have to pay and, and those three number ones, that's the price you have to pay. The only thing I will say about that beyond that, Rick, is I, I'm, I'm just thrilled that somehow there were players involved, too, that, that, that we didn't have to give up Denzel Ward or Greg Newsom. Or JOK. Because we all know the Houston Texans wanted young defensive talent. They're looking for it. Right. And we and we've got it. And somehow we didn't have to give them those guys. Thank God. Thank God. So I to me it's worth it because I you know, what we're already seeing in the reaction and around the league in terms of the players. And at the end of the day, this is who matters. And this is why this front office now has massive amounts of street cred. What, what did you see? You gave up those picks and you got Watson. Now what do you see? Landry potentially wants to come back. Okay. Now we can talk about his fit within the scheme. I have some issues with that. But um, Landry wants to come back. Now you have players openly act, you know, talking about clowning. Now, ooh, maybe I will come back. It, it, it opens up a bunch of things. And here's why. Players want to play with Watson. And it became very obvious in their support of OBJ after the trade that, or after that he was released and then he signed with the Rams that they didn't want to play with Baker. And so for Baker fans, I have to say, I'm sorry, but this is the reality. The players are telling you that while this saga was going on, there were no Browns players running to Twitter and social media to back up Baker other than Andy Janovich, who upon being released was like, yeah, Baker's tough as nails. That was, that was all he said. No players were like, that's my guy. Ride or die with six. I don't want anybody but six. You weren't hearing it. You weren't seeing it. Nothing. Again, speaks volumes because players know real. 
And so suddenly you had to pay a price to get, yeah, you're right. A guy that, you know, maybe we should have drafted. Well, okay. We wouldn't have miles Garrett. So, you know, should we have drafted him? Oh, sure. Retrospect. Yeah. Um, but the reality is you want to get him now, you're going to have to pay for it. And the fact that we had a front office that believes in their scouting ability in second, third, fourth round to take advantage of those things. I mean, this year the Browns still have five picks in the top 118 picks. Still five. They're going to get players there because this front office has shown that they're pretty good at it. And now they have street cred. Cleveland is now a place where players are going to want to play, free agents. And you're already seeing it. And then lastly, you're now competing in the monstrous AFC with a top five quarterback. Browns fans and this roster legitimately can believe that they can win a Super Bowl now. And I think that that is the case uh, over the course of the next several years. Uh, again, I, I guess in looking at it, uh, you know, I, I probably have more uh, thoughts of, uh, you know, losing those number ones at a, at a point in time when the cap issues are starting to come into play here a little bit here. So I, I look at that maybe slightly differently than, than you do as far as how that may impinge in the years to come. Let's look at the short term here in the AFC. Well, I will just say this about the cap before you jump. Yeah. The, the cap, and part of the reason on the guaranteed money, and also why I'm not as worried about that, is the, um, I mean, first of all, this front office has shown itself to be so adept at ma- managing the cap. Um, you know, right now, right now, as of today, who has the second most cap space? I believe it's the Browns. It's the Browns. Despite everything that's happened in the last week, all the signings, everything, yes, we had to let some guys go. But we already knew that guys like Landry and Trevor were gone based on their contracts. We all knew that. I mean, smart fans knew that. Yeah. Um, so we're sitting in second place in terms of cap space. $36 million in cap space still right now. And we also know in 2024 the cap is going to blow up. That is true. Yes. The cap could be at $300 million. Yes, because that's, uh, that's when higher. the TV money kicks yeah. in. That's right. And not only that, wait, the gambling money. Right. That's the other one. The, the TV money kicks in, and then the gambling money, um, when that's all fully flushed out, just like in the NBA, that I mean, that cap could, at some point, you know, go to 400 $500 million. Um, So they know that. They, they're projecting that out. And again, they also believe in their ability to um, sign players at the proper value, as well as um, draft well in those later rounds. So anyway, I, I, I digress. Go ahead. Keep, All right. All right. So let's look here uh, at the shorter term on this, as far as the landscape of the AFC this year. And I think you and I would both agree. Although I said before, cynically, I think if if Goodell has a way to kick this down the road a year and suspend Watson for six games in twenty twenty three, he will, because he he wants to set the uh, the precedent here. Nobody's going to get over on the league with these kind of machinations. So I think that's a good possibility, but. Again, student of the law of odds, law of averages. I think it's most likely there's a six-game suspension this year. So, and you, you've alluded to that as well, four to six games, whatever. So, you look at the landscape here, and it is very quarterback determinative. You look at the AFC West, and uh, with some of the moves they're making, again, I'm not a Josh McDaniels guy, but if I wasn't, I might even be tempted to put the Raiders in the mix here with some of the moves that they've been making. Uh, here, but I'm going to leave them out of it for right now and say I think Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos in the playoffs. Uh, you got to take somebody coming out of the South here. Uh, I guess it'll be uh, Tennessee again. Uh, I, I don't think there's well, any. I don't I mean the Colts with Matt Ryan. 
Well, yeah, that happened. Well, they're there. I guess they're, you know, at least I, I would put them sort of and more. And word that the Colts are potentially interested in sending Julio up there to uh, pair back up with Matt Ryan. Well, and I would, I, I would, I would more so kind of put the Colts on another tier here down along with, uh, as I say, my Dolphins here with the Raheem Mostert signing and whatever. Uh, Dolphins, Patriots, Colts, I think probably at a level below some of the other teams we're talking about here. Bills as the, the solid favorites in the AFC East. And then you get to the, uh, the, 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 the North here. And you've got the Bengals in the mix already established with Burrow. They're going to be a much better team probably on the field than they were this past year when they made it to the Super Bowl despite a uh, back seven that was questionable at best a lot of the time here. Uh, you and I, again, you've been a little bit willing to go further on this, and I, I respect this on the whole thing of Lamar Jackson and how much of a fraud he may be. I'm a little bit more cautious on making a pronouncement like that, and I think Baltimore did have some injury and walk issues last year that may not repeat themselves this year, i.e., bottom line, I expect Baltimore to be tougher. So I say all that to say this. I'm looking at a landscape here where I think it could come down to Baltimore and the Browns for the last playoff spot. And I'm looking at it like that four to six games with Brissett, uh, again, I think it's more likely than not that they would be narrowly on the outside looking in this year because of that, because it is such a tight competitive landscape. And again, as I say, you know, you mentioned the Colts in, in there too. I'm not even putting the Colts, the Patriots, and the Dolphins in the mix. I'm just having a conversation among the seven teams that I think are the most likely and obvious to be contenders. And out of those seven teams, the Browns are the one looking at having their star quarterback out four to six uh, games here. So uh, I, I think that the future on the field is especially bullish, all things being equal and you know no lasting ramifications coming Watson's way, all things being equal. I think very bullish for the next several years, but I think 2022 it won't be as much because those four to six games is huge. That's, that's a huge chunk of a 17-game season, Chris. Yeah, here's what I'm going to tell you about the AFC, and I've alluded to it earlier in my comments. It is a murderer's row. There are eight teams in the AFC that you can legitimately make an argument can win a Super Bowl. Um, there are probably 12 to 13 teams in the AFC that legitimately believe they can make the playoffs out of 16. It is that I've never seen a conference in, in, in any professional sports league, um, other than maybe that period with the West, which is so dominant in the NBA right. for a decade, where you have one conference so lopsided in terms of talent and and super, you know, in teams that you could say, yeah, they can win it, they can win it all. And you look at what's happening in this in this offseason, where the Chargers brought in. You mentioned Devontae Adams. You know, Waller comes back healthy. The Raiders are for real, man. Right. Um, again, you know, assuming Josh McDaniels has learned something from his time in Denver. Assuming. Um, yeah, assuming. The Raiders are for real. Russell Wilson makes the Broncos instantly a contender. Juju Smith-Schuster goes to Kansas City. I mean, are we kidding? It, it, it is insane. You know, and again, I agree with you. I think the Ravens are tougher uh, because I think they were bad luck injuries. They... What, what, they lost, what, three games on the last play because they, they kept trying to win one? Right. Um, you know, they kind of hosed themselves there, potentially. I mean, I still I still applaud Harbaugh for having the stones to go for those wins. Um, I wish more coaches did. But all that being said, you know, the Ravens are for real. Uh, even with my issues with Lamar Jackson, they've proven they can win football games. 
Right. Um, you know, the Steelers went to the Super Bowl with a broken down old Ben Roethlisberger and a suspect offensive line. Right. They still went. And, you know, no doubt that they're going to draft again on that offensive line to try to strengthen it. And say what you will, I would I would argue that right now, Trubisky's a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger was last year. He's an upgrade. Say what you will. Low he bar, is. but yes. Well, okay, but he's still an upgrade. They made the playoffs with that with garbage at quarterback. That was a fluke, year. though. Big fluke they made the playoffs. You know it. I understand a lot of that was because the Browns shot themselves in the yes. head, foot, thigh. Hand of the tool. But, but they did. Nonetheless, they swept the Browns. And to your point, though, let's start with the NFC North, or the AFC North, okay? You've got the Bengals go out and they go, well, we're going to protect Joe. They sign three offensive linemen. You know they'll also address it in the draft for death. They have, they have solidified that offensive line, their biggest weakness. The reason they lost that Super Bowl. Right. Now, that being said, I still feel like that defense was kind of a fraud last year, and I don't know that they can repeat that sort of role. Um, we'll see what they do in the draft and the remaining portions of free agency. They they really ought to be focused on strengthening that defense, but neither here nor there. Bengals are good because they have Joe Burrow, again, because it's a quarterback league. And so the Browns, to your point, I mean, yeah, you can say that that four to six games is going to matter. Brissett has started, what, 36, 37 games in this league? Something like that. Um He's an experienced pro. He'll be able to, you know, if it's six games, I believe Brissett can get this team to three and three, okay? And and then you have the ability, you're still in it, and you have the ability to 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 then still compete to the end. Um, my guess is the Browns would still make the Super Bowl, I mean, the, the playoffs. Um, but, to, but to your point, let's just say they ran it back with Baker. With all the arms race going on in the AFC that you we've outlined, what, what chance would the Browns have with Baker back as quarterback this year? Really, I mean, they'd be struggling to make the playoffs, and and maybe if they sneak in as the seventh seed, you know, again, it, it just I think we can all now look and realize like that's what we would be looking at, and and so I wouldn't have felt good about that at all. So yeah. The, the fact that the front the front office and the ownership recognize that the AFC is brutal and we have no chance unless we have a top ten quarterback and we got a top five quarterback on the field. His personal failings aside, he's a top five quarterback. Um, that makes this team instantly competitive. Maybe in this this year, if there's a six game suspension, it trips us up. It, that could be the case. But I also know that with Baker, we would have stood no chance in the AFC. None. Now, the one saving grace of last year, we get to play the fourth place schedule, buddy. Uh, true. <laughs> yeah. True, Dad. <laughs> we get to play the fourth place schedule. So maybe we have a chicken edge over the Colts and some of these other teams, ultimately, when it comes to getting into the into the playoffs. I, I would still say that I think the AFC North is with Watson is now wide open in terms of who's gonna win it. Uh, you know, uh, clearly Vegas likes the move. They 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 know about a potential suspension <clears throat> or not. And they move the Browns to nine to one, fourth best in the NFL. Well the, that uh, that's another interesting data point. 